Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Opposing Points podcast. My guest today is Christy Kelly, a Pepperdine Law graduate, advocate for father's rights, mediator, and a journalist for Wrong Speak Publishing and founder of HumanityAssemble.com. She writes and hosts podcasts at HumanityAssemble.substack.com. If you enjoy this conversation, don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. Hi, Christy. Thank you for joining me. Of course. Thank you for having me. So uh, before we get into the meat of what I wanted to talk about today, uh, can you just give a little bit about your background? Sure. So I am a a mom. It's funny. Um, <laughs> I was talking to my husband and he's like, you always just dive into humanity and you forget to mention, you know, that, that you're a mom. So first of all, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Um, I'm originally from the Midwest, but I've spent some time in uh, Mississippi and I consider myself from California, even though now I live in the great state of Arizona. Um, I went to law school. I thought I was going to become a lawyer and I quickly realized that I did not want to practice traditional law. Mm-hmm. So I went back, I got my um, master's in mediation, my LLM in mediation, and I immediately hung my shingle and became a professional mediator. Wow, that's very awesome. Um, and uh, from what I've listened to you speak about, you didn't start out necessarily uh, as a Republican or a conservative. Um, how did you get there? Yeah, so that's the professional, um, what I do professionally. On the other side of it, um, I've been doing some writing, I've been doing some podcasting, um, I've been getting into some political advocacy, and I I was a lifelong Democrat, and I say who was never Democratic. So mm-hmm. um, I ran from not conservatism because I grew up in a very um, conservative uh, two parent household in the suburbs. Um, so I didn't I wasn't running from conservatism. I was running from the label of um, Republican. Mm-hmm. So I finally had an epiphany that, you know, I was done with the Democratic Party. I still scoured around, bargained with myself, became libertarian for a moment. And then it was really when I was in the um, liberty movement, even though I still I still consider myself a liberty Republican. Mm-hmm. There are tons of things I love um, about um, being a libertarian. But I am more conservative, so I don't believe in open borders. I don't believe in, you know, legalizing everything. I could go the gamut. Um, I do believe in small government. So I am definitely more of a traditional um, Republican. And so I just started to embrace it. And in, in an attempt to make the party look more like me while I'm while I'm in it. Yeah, um, I also had a libertarian phase. Um, but it, it, yeah, you're right. I mean, libertarianism would work if we didn't have a welfare state because that's why people can just come here they wouldn't have the incentives right um but yeah i i relate to 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 going through that phase and liberty-minded conservative as well um one of the things that you 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 do is 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 mediating and, and advocating for father's rights which i i think is really interesting i don't hear much about it um my general um perspective or like overview of of how this thing goes is is fathers don't have many rights when it comes to especially like divorcing and separation um so can you just give like a brief overview of, of of what you do with with mediating father's rights sure so there's really two separate things so um again when i started 
um, becoming a mediator, I, I focused on family law. And then I branched out from there because if you do nothing but family law, you will get burned out. So I, I branched out. But in doing family law, I was noticing that a lot of fathers um, coming to the table, it's not that they didn't want to be in their child's lives or it's not that they weren't excellent fathers. Right. Sometimes they just were missing something, right? So maybe um, they needed an expungement because they have, you know, a record and, you know, needed uh, need to get a better job so that they can better provide for their family. Or maybe sometimes they have childhood hurt that they didn't heal from. And even in an intact marriage, um, it comes out in different ways that maybe doesn't make him, you know, the best father. Mm -hmm. There's also the system that now I will tell you, the system is much better than it used to be as far as being, you know, stacked against our dads, mm -hmm. but it still is biased. There's still some work to go. So a lot of times it's just daunting for a father because they feel like, they don't have any power coming to the table um, dealing with them. Like, why do I have to negotiate for my own child? Why, do, why does she have all the power? So in mediation, you are able to definitely um, balance the powers, let everybody come, you know, from an equal playing field. So that is part of um, why I got into it. Just, just the need, knowing that children needs, need their fathers. Mm -hmm. They need their dads. And then also seeing the deficiencies, what I did was I was able to um, open up the nonprofit arm of it, which then matches, you know, services. So say I have a dad who um, needs a life coach because he really needs mentoring. I am then able through my nonprofit to match him with the services that he needs. Excellent. Um, and what other services uh, like that you might provide to a father? Like, is it like career counseling or? Right. So through um, Humanity Assemble, we do career counseling. We also do the life coach. We also do a wellness component as well, because and that's for the entire family, because there is not really, especially in the inner city, there isn't enough emphasis on being healthy, mind, body and spirit. So we also have a wellness component um, where, you know, we'll put them with a the coach. Mm -hmm. And actually, my, my husband, who does humanity with me, he does the wellness component. And a lot of times the men will kind of congregate around a basketball league that he has. Mm -hmm. And then he sets up a lot of different mentorships. He's done several mentorships just through there, just through getting to know them and through basketball or maybe going out and, and talking, but that really opens the door that, that wellness component. Okay. That's really cool. And there's, I mean, we could talk for three hours on wellness because all the food we eat is so crap. <laughs> um, yeah, especially again, uh, going back to urban areas, right? Like I, I talk a lot on Twitter about this. If you drive in an urban area, what are you going to see? You're going to see, you know, Dollar Generals. You're going to see liquor stores. You're going to see food deserts. You know, the, the grocery stores are far and few in between. And so a lot of times, you know, families that don't have a car, don't have a way to get to the you know nearest grocery store, a lot of them get the bulk of their meals either from fast food or from the Dollar General processed foods. Mm -hmm. So we really do have an arm in that, just really um, helping not just fathers, but if we can get the fathers and then they can lead their children, leave, you know, lead them to be healthier, that is another component that we also do. Okay, that's very cool. Um, so one of the other things that I was thinking about is the importance of, of fathers in the home. Um, I'd like to hear about that. 
And then also it's kind of the same topic, but in terms of choosing who you can potentially have a child with. And what made me think of that is, as I, I think you posted on Twitter either this past week or the week before the, the abortion cake that someone was designing. Um, and obviously if you're, oh. if you're a good man and you sleep with a woman, that's not so good. And you don't really have much of a say over what happens there. And then she's making a, a having an abortion cake made for her. Um, I, I, what, how does that dynamic play out in your head? Well, first of all, one thing I always do like to dispel is the myth about Black um, fatherhood. I think we will see numbers anywhere from 67% to 70% of, of Black children don't have a father. Those numbers are absolutely wrong. So what they do is when the census comes, they see who's in the home. And mm -hmm. if the parents are not married, the mother is automatically a single mom. Now, yep. dad could be right there in the home cohabitating, but unless they're married, she's still single. Mm -hmm. So that actually is making the number of Black fathers um, look a lot higher than it actually is. Another factor in that is dad can be living across the street and she's still considered a single mom. They could be co-parenting where he has the child, you know, four nights, she has them three nights. She's still considered a single mom and he gets right. absolutely no credit. So dispelling the myth about Black fatherhood is really important. Another myth, or not, not myth, but another um, statistic that was interesting to me is when the dad is in the home, um, African-American men are more active than both white and Asian, um, and, and I also think Hispanic um, um, fathers. And the reason is they tend to um, play with the kids more. They tend to take care of more of the um, child-rearing duties when they are in the home. That's a fact that you know you can actually look up. But talking about who you procreate with. <laughs> so that is a lot of also what we do through advocacy. Again, through Humanity Assemble, we are trying to bring back the notion of marriage. Like marriage is wonderful. You know, we try to say we're trying to make marriage sexy again, right? Mm -hmm. So bringing back the idea of finding a, a, a mate, marrying them. Because another thing about marriage that I think the, you know, the generation, probably your generation, the generation, you know, under me or two, or, or two generations under me, um, they forget that getting married, two-parent household, buying a house, right, is a way of building generational wealth, mm -hmm. right, is a way of stability. So we are trying to say, yeah, it's so important who you procreate with. Um, not just for the health of your children, but really for the health of our societies. I agree. Um, I, I think, yeah, I'm a millennial, uh, probably less like people my age are less are not marrying or like waiting a longer time to get married. Um, or they, they, they're not sure if they want children and they're 35 years old. Um, yep. so it's, it's, it feel like, it feels like, um, with my generation, at least people have found their sense of purpose and like traveling which is obviously something that doesn't last for a very long time and they find it in very material things and so people aren't too eager that are my age to be married or if they are married to have kids um and that's a very weird world to navigate because i feel like i'm more minded that way versus most of the people in my generation right and there's nothing wrong with building together and traveling together and traveling as a family with your children. And I've seen 
a lot of my friends who, of course, you know, focused, and there's nothing wrong with focusing on degrees and higher education. I mean, obviously I did it, Mm -hmm. but when you do do that and you get to 35 and then you start to planning on having a family, sometimes for many women, it's too late. And so that is one drawback there. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of, um, where we see this in, uh, in the United States, there was that case, if you recall in, in Texas where, um, and and this is why I kind of stress the importance of, of sharing values with who you're with, um, like you do with your husband. Um, you know, there's probably not a very high chance that one of you would, uh, be in favor of transitioning your child, but we had that case Mm -hmm. in Texas, um, where at first the jury ruled against the father, um, and then another, and then the judge overruled it. But I, I see that becoming more of a divisive issue as um, as the trans um, movement uh, expands, I guess, um, amongst getting children to be open with and fluid with their identities. So I think it increases the importance, right, of meeting the right person with the same values as you. Right. right. I mean, it's absolutely so important. And it's also important, you know, bringing it back to fatherhood for fathers to establish early, especially if they do separate um, from the child's mother, to establish the parental rights early. So make sure you're on the birth certificate, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Make sure if she's pregnant in a lot of states, you can actually um, sign um, so that the child cannot be adopted without you knowing it, right? There's actually a registry in a lot of states. But if she does have the child, a lot of fathers don't sign the birth certificate. Make sure you're on the birth certificate. Um, don't be afraid to go to court, especially if you guys aren't together, to establish your parental rights. Because by the time they come to me, a lot of the dads, especially the dads um, that are, you know, a, a little lower as far as, you know, in, in class status, they've already, um, the child is already five, six you know, maybe seven. And then it's a lot harder to then establish, you know, like, yeah, I've been an active father. So the fact that the mom won't let me, you know, see them, don't let that be a barrier. Use the court system, um, which again, a lot of dads are, you know, hesitant to do. Use the court system to advocate for yourself. Because when you do get into later and the child wants to transition, Mm-hmm. and you haven't on paper been an active father, then you're going to have less of a say than the mother who has always on paper been there. And is there a difference between um, the rights of men and women, if whether they're married or not? Like, That's a loaded question. Okay. So <laughs> traditionally, the courts favored custody to the mother. Right. That's what I'm familiar with especially the younger the child is, especially if the child obviously is nursing or the child is young. It's not supposed to be that way. And don't quote me on this because I like to fact check everything I see, but I was just flipping through Twitter and I think I saw that DeSantis may have signed um, a Parental Equality Act. Um, and so that that is major if he did. I'm going to check sometime later on today. But the courts are naturally um, shifting towards, and it's mainly because of people like myself and other um, agencies that have been doing advocacy work Mm -hmm. and just really screaming from the rooftops, like, this is not fair. 
like children's need their father. There's no reason why, you know, he should be look at, looked at as having visitation. He should have equal custody. So there has been a loud and vocal group, you know, screaming for dads to have equal custody. And it's gotten a lot better. There's no longer the built-in presumption that the children have to go with mom just because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. And the the rate of fatherlessness you mentioned, um, it's it's raised from from my understanding, it's gone. I don't know the stats um, offhand, but it's gone up for basically every demographic, I think, um, in the last at least decade or so. Right. You have to go back to what I said. So it go it's gone up because they're only counting if the parents are married. So do you so think it's stagnant or that it hasn't gone up at all? Or like, do you think it hasn't gone up at all? Or do you think it's gone up, but they haven't adjusted or something like that? I think they have, they need to take into account is the father in the life of the child right. and not is the father married to the mother? Right. Yeah. Cause that's what needs to change. Yeah. Um, our mutual friend has written about this, Adam Coleman, uh, about how a lot of these, um, the school shooters and, and uh, have, didn't have fathers basically in their lives. Um, I think that illustrates the importance of of fathers in in a child's life, right? Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong; it's still a problem. It, it's a problem, and mm-hmm. it, the number is still unacceptable, mm-hmm. but it's not as high as at first glance. Gotcha. Okay. Um, in terms of um, the prevalence in, of divorce in this country, um, I think the last time I checked, it's about fifty percent uh, of marriages end in divorce. What do you think, like, what what are you seeing as you're mediating is typically the reason behind that? Is it that difference in values or is it just like, what are you seeing? Ooh, so this is one of those questions. It's always one that's going to get me in trouble, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So again, I come from a conservative household. Like my parents have been married, you know, my whole life. My mom just turned 80. She's still married, you know, Mm -hmm. to my dad. Um, now it is her second marriage, but her first husband passed away. Mm-hmm. And had he not passed away, I literally wouldn't be here because she still would have been married to him. Yeah. Because she is of it, and you know, my grandmother and my great grandmother the same way. When they took vows, they meant it. And it's forever, you know, for, for better or worse, you know, to death of us part. Like that's what they mean. Yeah. And nowadays we don't mean that. Matter of fact, a lot of people are taking that out, right? So I think it's really a mindset, you know, because I think, of again, I think the feminist movement is one of the worst things um, that could have happened to marriage, right? Because a lot of women have the, the mindset or a lot of both genders. I don't have to deal with this, mm-hmm. right? I don't have to deal with this. And then now if the woman, especially again, must go back to the, you know, well, in any household, women are making a lot more money than they used to because they have their own careers, they have their own money, they have their own independence. So there's no longer that incentive to stick it out through the really hard stuff when I can go get my own house, right? Yeah. There was, um, are you familiar with uh, the filmmaker Aaron Russo? I'm not. Okay, yeah, he he passed away. Um, I think he was the director of the movie Trading Places. Okay. Yeah, um, but he became a conservative later in life and he made the movie From Freedom to Fascism before he died. Um, and he was friends with um, one of the Rockefellers, I forget the name. And uh, the, he would hang out with this Rockefeller all the time. 
and uh, he wanted him to join. He's on he's on YouTube uh, explaining this, but he wanted him to join his club or something like that. And he asked uh, Aaron Russo, you know, what do you think of the women's liberation movement? And he and Aaron Russo was like a liberal, and he was like, well, I think it's great. You know, equal pay for equal work. I think that's what we should stand for. And basically, he's like, Aaron, are you an idiot? That's you think I've spent <laughs> all of my money so that women can go make equal money? Uh, it's 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 one to increase the tax revenue, and then two, we have control of their children. Mm. And yeah. we're and we're seeing that now is like all these like schools have kind of. When I was in school, I didn't know who my teacher was dating, and now they know what their teacher's gender is and whether they're pansexual. Uh, and they go into class and they're just bombarded with it. So it, it's like, you know, that wasn't that long ago for me, maybe 20 years. I, you know, I, it's crazy how much things have changed. And even then, when I was growing up, my dad had had issues with, with the education system. Um, so that that just goes to your point about, uh, f- you know, feminism, um, in which case there were, there were obviously goods. You can't you can't live without feminism anymore because you can't support a family because the uh, administrations have destroyed the purchasing power. So you have to have a parent household where both parents work unless, you know, they work on Wall Street or something. You know, I wrote about this where um, I think the eight hour workday is something that we're going to have to revisit at some point, because if both parents are working eight hours, the kids are at school and then daycare Mm-hmm. By the time both parents get home, they're exhausted. The kids have homework. You're really only seeing your kids a few hours out of the day before it's time to go to bed and start it all over again, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, who is really raising our children mm-hmm. with this eight-hour workday? And, and that's being generous, depending on you know what your career is. Right. If you have you know two, my brother and his wife are both lawyers, so they're working more than eight hours. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it, it's I know I know personally that it's it you know uh, my nephew's about 19 months old so he's in daycare all day and then they're working various times throughout the night it's, it's hard to spend yeah, time yeah. With, especially with the, the the mothers you know it's very important to bond with them and I think I don't know I don't know what the typical uh uh maternal maternity leave is but it's probably not enough in, in I think it's six weeks yeah it's not very long yeah um, I know when I was in California, um, when the children were little, and that's when I was working a more traditional, um, I was definitely working more traditional hours than what I work now. But there was also the commute factor of having to commute in LA traffic. And I literally would pull up to my kids daycare right at six o'clock every day. Mind you, they had to go to bed at like eight because we had to get up early. So literally, that was like two hours during the week. Mm-hmm. that I would have of like functional time with my children. Mm-hmm. Like that's one reason why I left California and I would never look back because you just, between having to work so hard because the price of living is so high yeah. and the commute time, it just really lessens the, the amount of, of, of family time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just switching gears a little bit um, in terms of your, your dive into politics, um, how are you feeling about the upcoming election uh, in 2024, which is very much very soon? Yeah, so I was just thinking about that. Um, and I just made a deal with myself that I was going to not speak negatively about any other Republican candidate 
Okay. Not about like the personality and not like the little, not like the little digs. Now, if it's like a policy thing, then yeah, I'll question that. All right. Because honestly, I'm going to vote for any conservative over mm-hmm. any Democrat. So it really doesn't make sense to, you know, say yeah. who I don't like, you know, personally because of, you know, X, Y, Z. But I'm apprehensive about it. I, I don't think that we have enough ground game going on from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, at least not in my state. And I'm in Arizona, so I'm in a battleground. And yeah, I just spoke to Carrie Lake yesterday. Oh, I love Carrie. Yeah. I, I love Carrie. Yeah, actually, funny you mentioned her. Um, Carrie Lake was the first Republican that I went all in for. Mm. Did yeah. You, did you meet her personally? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was in one of her coalitions. I met her. Met, my daughters met her. I, I went, yeah, met yeah, yeah, yeah. on the rallies. Yeah, she's she's great. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think she could be a vice presidential pick. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think she's, I mean, I could see her. I could see, you know, Vivek. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I could see Tim Scott, you know. I could see Byron Donalds if he wasn't in Florida, you know, so. All right, yeah. He's, he's, I, I also spoke to um, Kathy Barnett and I really liked her too. She was, she's a, she's working with Vivek's campaign actually. Yeah, I actually went to Chicago with them. I was on that Chicago trip. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I helped kind of uh, pull that thing off with her. She, yeah, she's, she's phenomenal what she's doing um, with his ground game, with his grassroots. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's where I feel like you're right. Like they have, we have, we have no ground game. They did it in Virginia where I am. Um, mm-hmm where they pulled that off but also i think the democrats kind of put themselves in the ground with with some of the comments about schools and stuff like that and it's good timing i don't know if it would have happened if i don't know if he would have gotten elected had that like you know rape case in loudon county not happened or some of you know the mcauliffe made um i know one more thing on that so i know the rnc I, i don't know what they're doing i haven't heard anything i haven't seen anything that they're doing in arizona but I'm sure Carrie told you what she's doing as far as starting to get into the legal ballot chasing and um, legal actually get out to vote. Um, so I'm excited that she's, you know, diving into that with her and Marissa. Uh, so that that's going to be good for Arizona. OK, awesome. Um, well, I just want to close out. Um, I know your time is very valuable with um just where can people go to learn more about your work? And you said you 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 blog and you do podcasts. I saw your Jeff Charles one yesterday. Um, I hopefully he's not pulling you all the way back to the libertarian side. Uh, <laughs> I know he I know it was a stated goal, but right, but he gotcha. Um, so where can people follow you and 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 read your work and everything? So everything you ha- there's a link to everything on my website through humanityassemble.com. Or I'm on Twitter at um, Kelly for Humanity. Okay. Well, it's it's awesome to to follow you. I think I saw you via something. You popped up on my Twitter feed like a couple weeks ago. And I was like, I got to talk to this person. Oh, it was a storm. Yeah, we, we don't have time to talk about that. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always getting into trouble. But, you know, I'm just honest and authentic. And I think I'm a little different because I was a lifelong Democrat and, you know, now I'm conservative, so I'm always stepping in it one way or the other, but it, it's all good. What's that What's that quote that uh, a lot of progressives usually make um, about when, um, well-behaved women uh, rarely make history or something like that? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, thank you, David.
Yes, thank you. Thank you for uh, for joining me. I appreciate it. Um, and I hope to speak to you soon. Sure. Thanks. Have a good day. You too.